Today, church, we uh, come here, we're calling this Vision Sunday, and uh, I want to be preaching to you just a a one-time sermon. It's not part of a series or anything like that, and it's entitled Stopping Short. In Joshua chapter 28, verse 8, it says this, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now, as you have until now. Church, I want to ask you this morning, how many of you honestly are holding fast to God. How many of you are holding fast to his promises? How many of you are, are holding fast to what it is that he is working at in your life, Father? And listen, think about this. God promises us in his word he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we're called to hold fast. Church, as we're talking about stopping short, and we're, we're going to be, our main text today is going to come from Joshua, one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I've got a son named Joshua. But I love the fact of how God used him as a a mighty leader. And today as we get started, I want you to understand something. One of the most dangerous periods that any one of us can go through, like a dangerous period in our lives, it's not through danger, it's not through suffering, but it's the time of peace and plenty. And I want to tell you why. Too many times we get in that area of peace and of plenty. We're like, oh, wow, I've arrived. I've made it. But many times as we're in that period of life, what happens is we begin to rely on ourselves. And we're like, wow, look what I've done. Look what I've got going on. And so one of the most dangerous periods of your life can be in a time of peace and plenty. And you have to be very cautious not to let that happen to you. But today I want to show you Joshua. He was given the charge. And the charge is Joshua chapter 23, verse 8. It says, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. And so basically what he's telling him is like, man, Joshua, if you continue, if you do this, God will continue to bless you. He's telling him if you do these things, you know, if you hang on to God's word, and this isn't just for Joshua, this is for us too. If you hang on to God's word, if you worship him, if you hang on to his ordinances, if you... Hang on to him and follow him, having a strong affection towards him. I'm talking about having hope, trust, and confidence in him. What happens is he's going to bless you. But I want you to know, church, more than anything, we're called to have a fixed dependence on him. You're called to depend on on your heavenly father, not to think that you've got this and you are the one who is in control and you're the one that's making it happen. No, you have a fixed dependence on him. How many of you believe that if God has done something once, that he can do it again? I'm talking about you look all through his word. If he has done it once, God can do it again. And he is, a, he is a father that does those things. He, he, he does things like that. I've always told my family, like, if you've done it once, you can do it again. That first time might be very difficult, right? But, but you can do it again. It might take a lot more work the second time, depending on how old you are, of course. But if God has done something once, he can do it again. See, many times in our lives, I believe as, as, as Christians, man, I see this in the church a lot. We, we stop short of what God has called us to. 
We stop short. We're almost there and we just, we just quit. We quit doing it. And it's usually because of one reason that people stop short. It's usually because of one reason that the church stops short of what it is that God has called us to do. And it comes down to this perseverance. We live in a society today that nobody thinks that they have to persevere. We live in that microwave society that everything should be instant. You should have it right now when you want it and how you want it. But God has called us to persevere. I tell the staff here all the time, we are not sprinters. We are marathon runners. It's long and it's hard, but you are called to run that race, as the Bible says, right? So what we need to do is persevere. You know, God can make us a promise that will never come to pass. You can see it a lot in Scripture, where God will make a promise to his people that won't come to pass. And it's not because God went back on it. It's because his people did not persevere, that they did not push through and do the part that they were called to. And so this is true in all of our lives. I believe that, that we have a hard time persevering. It's true in our relationships, right? That we don't get something because we don't persevere. It's true in our churches, man. The church will not get what God has promised the church if they don't persevere. It happens all the time, but maybe today, maybe today that there's somebody sitting here that this is for you. That this message is for you because you've already stopped short of something that God has called you to. Or maybe this morning you're thinking about stopping short. You're thinking about calling it quits on something in your life and you're going to ruin what it is that God has planned for you. So stopping short is something that God has laid on your heart. I want you to know this is for you. So we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 6 if you'll turn there with me. In Joshua chapter 6, it's a very interesting chapter. And so it's about God's people conquering a land that had been given to them, been promised actually, had been promised to these people. It was theirs, but they're not quite living there yet. Imagine how that would feel. It's theirs, they know it, God promised it, but they're not living there yet. I think a lot of our Christian life can be like this too. A lot of our Christian life can be like this. God's word says that he has blessed us, right? Listen, God's word says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. His word makes that clear to us, right? So whatever is in Christ should be working in our lives. Now, I have not arrived. I don't know about you. God's still doing a lot of work in my life. So, but he's doing something. So whatever is in Christ should be working in my life. I'm talking about peace of the Lord, right? God's peace. The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. Like your world can be falling apart like crazy train. But you know what? You got, hey, it's gonna be all right. I got this. You know, God's going to do something here. That's the peace, right, that passes all understanding. So the peace of the Lord, that should be working in my life. That should be working in yours. The strength of God, that should be working in your life. That you feel like, I don't know how I've made it this far. It's only because of God's strength. It's not your strength. You're a human being. You are going to fall way short real quick. And then it's the joy of the Lord. That these, are, these are the blessings in Christ Jesus, spiritual blessings, and, and we are called to have that joy of the Lord. Just because God has promised it doesn't mean you possess it yet. We are all works in progress. Now let's go to Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Verse 1 starts out like this. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred 
because of the Israelites, no one went out and no one came in. So here's the Israelites. They're heading in to the promised land, what God has promised them. They were finally, I'm talking finally, church, going to get there. It's uh, what God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That's exactly how it shook out. And God was saying, you know what? You're finally going to get to go where Moses was not able to go. And he says, Joshua, you're finally going in. But first, what you got to do is you got to march around this city for six days. For six days. So if we look at Joshua chapter 6, I, I believe that there are three things that we can really gather from this. Three reasons that people stop short. And the first one is this. Your perspective gets lost or blocked. Your perspective, meaning looking at things properly, you either lose it or it gets blocked by the enemy. Remember the story of Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. If you grew up in church, right, maybe you went in Sunday school, one of my favorite stories, for those of you who grew up on Veggie Tales, right, Josh and the Big Wall, the French Peas, you know what I'm talking about. But it's this amazing story, and so we sang about that in Sunday school as a little kid. You know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. I'm not going to sing it to you today. We'll leave that up to the praise team. They're way better at it. But I think if Joshua heard this song, he might not like it. Let me explain to you why. Jericho was the first city the Israelites had to conquer to get into the promised land. It was the very first thing they had to overcome and conquer to get in that promised land. And think about this. In life, isn't the first battle always the hardest? It really is. The first battle that you've got to go through is always the hardest. How many of you? You say, oh, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I want to feel better. You're having a hard time even tying your shoes to get out the door to go to work let alone starting that battle to get to the gym, right? We have a really hard time starting things. And just getting there is difficult. So when you read the part of the Bible about Jericho and Joshua fighting this battle, we get that very simplistic view of it. We really do. But I want you to think about this differently. At times what we do is we don't realize we don't realize, okay, he fought and won the battle of Jericho, but, now here's the big but, okay? We forget to think about how Joshua and the people spent 40 plus years wandering in the wilderness waiting. I know if I said to my wife, hey, baby, we got a brand new house coming our way, and I'm, I want to show it to you right now. And I take her to this house, beautiful house, and she's like, oh, when are we going to move? 40 plus years, girl, this house is going to be all yours. All yours, I promise. How do you think that's going to go over? Not well. <clears throat> right, she's going to struggle with that. And so here's God's people. Here's Joshua, spent 40 plus years in the wilderness, wandering because the generation before Joshua, right, they didn't have enough faith to go in to that promised land that God promised them. So they had to wander around. So Joshua's waiting. And waiting 40 plus years for his promise to get the opportunity to go into Jericho and see this is not as simple as you and I think. It's really not that simple, right? <clears throat> see, sometimes when we see somebody else's victory, we oversimplify their process, don't we? We'll see that. I I've had a lot of people call me and they'll say like, well, Wellsville First Christian Church, they seem to be very blessed. And I'm like, yeah, God is, God's doing wild stuff. He's really blessed his church. Like, would you mind sitting down with me and talking to me about how, how that took place? 
And I'm like, there's no cookie cutter to it. You be obedient to God and you do what he's called you to do and he will bless you. But I want to tell you what you're looking at today took 15, 20 years to get to. It didn't happen overnight. It isn't one of these things that just happened. And so sometimes we see someone else's victory and we oversimplify that process, right? We assume that it was easy for them, that it was something very simple, that they just went in and boom, all the people came and the church just happened. It doesn't work that way. See, Joshua, a lot of people, they kind of have this thought process. Joshua went in and the walls just fell down. That's the way the story works, right? No, church, it doesn't work that way. See, I want to give you a little bit of background about Jericho as a city. Jericho was not a very big city at all. It wasn't. It, it was very small in, in, in capacity. What it was is Jericho, they said, experts say, that you could have marched around Jericho all the way around the wall in about an hour. So it's not a big city, right? It, it's not something humongous. But you know what? It, it wasn't that Jericho was so big that made it a challenge to overcome and to conquer, it was because Jericho's walls were so high. They were crazy high. Think about this for you in your personal life today. Do you realize that some of the stuff that God promised you, but you haven't received yet? Some of that stuff is, isn't happening yet in your life. Some of that stuff maybe you are just intimidated by. How many of you get intimidated by God's plans and promises? I see it a lot in the church. We get intimidated by those, those things. See, it's not that the promise is too big for you, church. It's this, remember, because God is in you, right? If you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, I mean, you've accepted Christ inside of your heart, then God is in you, and he's bigger than anything else you face. He really is. But we get intimidated. You realize how much credit you give the enemy? Man, we do, don't we? And he loves to intimidate you. He loves to intimidate you. He loves to intimidate you, even though, man, what is inside of you is way more powerful than him. We give him things that he should not have because he intimidates us. See, it is just your perspective. What happens is your perspective gets blocked because of how high the walls are. And the enemy loves to put walls in front of you. God calls you to something and says, here's what I want for you. Here's what I have for you. And what do we do? We instantly look at those walls and we're thinking that is impossible. So I'm so glad that every single one of you, you're here this morning. I really am. I'm glad you're here this morning because one of the greatest things about the church as a whole, man, is when you go to church, it can help lift your perspective. It really and truly helps. When you isolate yourself, the enemy has a field day with your mind. He does. He loves to tell you things that are not true. Remember, everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. He is the father of all lies, the Bible tells us. And so when you isolate yourself from the church, what happens is, those walls get built up pretty high around you. So one of the greatest things about church attendance is it can lift your perspective. It lifts your perspectives on the, on the walls or the problems that you have in your life, right? It, it, it shows us that, man, your perspective goes beyond those challenges, beyond those oppositions, right? If you all look at those walls in your life, and we all have got some kind of walls, don't we? If we all look at those walls in our lives, 
Most of us, here's what we do. We spend six days a week staring at those walls and looking at those setbacks, looking at the problems, looking at the oppositions that we've got in our lives, and we begin to settle into that. But when you come to church, when you're around other people, you see other people have problems, you see other people have struggles, and you realize you're not alone in this. It gives you a better perspective that you have other people. I mean, you're around people who's praising God for his promises. You're around other people who are pursuing God and running that race towards him. And you're able to keep up better, right? It is about being in God's presence that will help elevate your perspective. It works, church. And you, it helps you realize that the enemy that you were intimidated by, that you've got something way greater than him inside of you. Let's go back again to Joshua. I want you to see Joshua chapter six. So now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, no one came, no one went out, no one came in. And then verse two says this, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Do you realize these two verses, they really don't appear to go together. They don't appear to go together. Let me explain it to you. The problem with verse two is verse one. Right? Verse 2, you hear God saying, I've given you Jericho. Here it is. It's yours. It's all yours. But in verse 1, it says the walls in the, the walls were high and the doors were locked. So you're going to say, all right, God, you said you gave this to me, but how do I get in? Right? We have that kind of thought process, right? And only God, you realize that only God can speak in past tense about a battle that you haven't even fought yet. God is the only one that can do that. He can speak past tense about a battle you haven't fought yet. That is how big, that is how strong, right? That is how confident God is in his ability. That he can say, it's already yours. You ain't there yet, but it's already yours, right? That's how God works. See, they haven't even fought the first round of battle yet. And God says, I've given it to you. It's yours, Joshua. Church, you realize that God lives outside of space and time. He, he lives outside of that. He's not stressed about what you and I are stressed about. Not at all. He's not stressed about those things. So verse 2 tells a different story than verse 1. Verse 2 says, you got this. It's all yours. And verse 1 says, hey, the doors are locked. Right? So what do you do, church, when what you see isn't like what God says? I want, you to, I want you to mull that over in your head for a minute. What do you do when what you see isn't like what God says? Have you ever had that period of time in your life when you see, when what you see is different than what you feel that God has laid on your heart? That what you see is way different than what you read in his word. Have you ever felt like God was speaking victory, but all you feel is defeat? How many of you have felt that way? Have you ever felt like God was speaking healing, but on the inside you feel broken? Have you ever felt that God was telling you to speak to someone about Jesus Christ, but inside, man, you got your own doubts too? Have you ever felt like what God says doesn't actually match up to what you see? How many of you have ever felt like God was telling you to give something away, but yet you got all kinds of needs yourself? How many of you have ever felt like God was calling you to tithe your money, but yet you're sitting there thinking, like, I can't even make my own ends meet? See, this is how Joshua was feeling. 
It's exactly how Joshua was feeling. God sends you people. Do you realize God sends you people to help you in, in, in this doubt, to help you look past those walls, to help you look and have perspective for his promises? I told you several months back in a sermon series I was doing, I was going through a really, really difficult time in my life, you know, trying to what to do, figure out. We're up at Port Clinton and a little family getaway weekend, and we're sitting at the, at the pool. The kids are playing. I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself, mauling over like, God, what have you done? What are you going to do? All those kind of things. This dude's over in the pool playing with his kids, and they're swimming. He's making them all recite the Ten Commandments, and he's going, tell me one, tell me three. Point. I'm like, please don't ask me. What if I mess it up, Right? And all of a sudden, this guy came over to me and said, I don't even know why I'm supposed to tell you this, but I am. And he gave me the answer to the problem that I was mauling over. And I sat there, I'm like, only God can do that because I didn't tell anybody. It's not like he overheard me talking to my wife. It's not like he overheard anything. God sent him. See, God sends you people to help you look past the walls and to help you have the right perspective, right, for his promises, but the enemy will use your problems to block your perspective. That's what he'll do. And we know what the enemy does, right? The Bible tells us he comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. He is the one who does that. But we got to remember what, what God's word says, right? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, like I told you earlier. That's what he does. So number one, your perspective gets lost or blocked. And number two is this, that we see in this story of Joshua chapter six, your progress isn't always obvious, is it? Your progress is not always obvious. Joshua chapter six, verse three and four. So God's telling him, he says, march around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpet. So God is telling him, so God telling him, hey, Joshua, get marching. You got something to do. I want you to get marching. And he's giving him his orders here. He's saying, this is what I want you to do, and this is how exactly how I want you to do it. And so for a military guy, Joshua's a military guy, okay? These are really strange orders. Military guy wants to hear like, you bust open them front doors and you start swinging that sword. But no, God says, hey, I want you to talk, take a walk. <laughs> I want you to march your boys around here six times, six days, right? I want you to do that. And so listen, for a military guy, he's struggling with that. But here's what you and I have to remember. Remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Josh was doing. But walking by faith and not by sight, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? It's extremely difficult to do that because we got to see it. I mean, you got to see it. I'm that guy. I got to see it. Now, Thomas, we talked about him last Sunday, right? Thomas said, I don't believe it till I see it. That's how we are. Let's check out verses, starting in verse 6. It says, so Joshua, son of Nun, Called the priests, he said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard looking ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. I want to stop right there for a minute. So they're thinking we're making progress. 
here we are, standing at the front door of what God promised us, and we've been waiting a long time for this. And he said to march around the city. So you know what? We're going to do what he says. We're going to go ahead and march. They're making progress. How many of you love to make progress? I'm a progress guy. I like to see it, right? I'm talking about you, you like moving forward in life. You like making that progress. You, 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 you want to see those things. You know, don't, don't you like making your bed in the morning, right? It feels like you've accomplished something already. That's how I feel. I make my bed in the morning. I'm like, man, I got something started. I'm heading in the right direction. There's progress. It looks way better than it did before. Like you're further ahead in the morning than you were last night. See, I like to see progress in things. And I don't know about you, but I get frustrated if I don't see things progressing. I mean, crazy frustrated. Check out verse 9 with me. So the armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army. I like this. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Don't say a word until the day that I tell you to shout, then shout. So Joshua basically looked at his dudes and he said, shut your mouth. You keep walking and you be quiet. How many of you would love to tell people in church to shut their mouth, right? Except for me. You don't want to say that to me, okay? You don't do that. (laughs) Be respectful, please. All right, let's go on. Let's check out verse 11. Joshua chapter 6, verse 11, 12, it says, So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark. So here they got day one out of the way, and all they did was march. Be quiet and march. Do what God said. You just be quiet and you march. Day one. Verse 13 picks it up here. It says, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp, and they did this for six days. Church, I want you to imagine all of those armed men, all of those soldiers. I mean, they are itching to fight a battle, and imagine what these men must have felt like. They're like, are you serious? I mean, what are we going to do, just keep walking around there? These guys thought that they were going to charge in. They thought they were going to take the city, and they, they've done all they've done for six days is just march around, right? You know, like it's some kind of parade. Church, I want you to imagine for a second if you were God. I'm so thankful you're not, by the way. I'm so thankful you are not, and neither am I. But imagine, wouldn't you want to give these guys little signs like you're making progress, right? Anybody that's ever worked for me, I love to show them, all right, look, we got a big mountain to, to take out here, but here's some progress. You know, we're doing something. The pile's getting smaller. You know, you guys are doing a good job, right? You, you, you walk a day. Imagine the progress if he's like, all right, you guys walk around and a little bit will fall from the top the first day. You walk around the second day, a little bit more will fall, right? That's progress. You would see it. You'd see a little bit going on. You're like, man, something's happening. I personally don't mind. This is me personally. I don't mind working hard and sacrificing. I really don't, but I got to see some progress. I got to see something happening. You know, for the effort that I'm putting forth, 
for the things that I'm doing. I, I, I got to see something. You know, I, I'm like that with my family. When I pour into my family, I, I want to see something changing, right? You know, those years from 13 to 21, those are brutal. Because sometimes you're pouring in, you don't see any progress at all. And you're wondering, like, what's going on here? And then maybe by 26, and for some of you late bloomers, 28, you hear your child say something, you're like, oh, they did get it. They did understand. They accepted what I was pouring into them, right? You see that progress. Man, I love to see it in the church. I love to see the church moving forward. The church is called to move forward, church. We're called to move forward. Remember Jesus' last word? He said, you go out into the world. You preach, you teach, and you baptize. He didn't say, you sit there inside your building and wait for everyone to come in. Put your sign out there. They know what time you start. No, he said, you go out. You move forward. You progress, right? So think about this. I, I, I want to see progress. I want to see things changing from the hard work I put in. I, I want to see that, you know, my pain had some purpose, right? For all you ladies who had babies, right? I mean, I heard some of it's brutal for you guys. I was there. I didn't feel nothing. I was just there. I had no idea what was going on. I'll be honest. 25 years old, I had no idea what was going on there. But you, you had all that pain and all that suffering, and, and then suddenly, you know, you had the baby, and, and the doctor or the nurse brings the baby to you and holding your arms. I, I bet not one of you women said, well, that wasn't worth it. No. You say that later in life, don't you? No, you looked at that baby and like, this is amazing. What a gift, man, that, that it was worth every single second that I had to go through it. You want to see progress, that there was pain in your purpose. And so the Bible right here in, in Joshua chapter 6, it's not giving us that picture. Imagine being one of those fighting men, and, and maybe after day one, day four, whatever, my, they're going home. And, and sometimes the family would actually travel with the military. Imagine him going home to his tent, and his wife's going, so how'd it go? You know, how was it? What, what did it look like? We've been hearing about it. Is it as amazing as God told us it was? And he's like, yeah, we just walked around, honey. We, we just, we marched. Everyone shut their big yappers and we just marched, right? Right? But, you know, that's what we did. We just took a little walk. And, man, we've done it for six days now. And you're wondering, like, man, what's going on here? You know, when you waited in the wilderness for 40 plus years, and then suddenly you go there on the second day, and man, in verse 10, Joshua made it very clear, I don't want you to say any word. You just be quiet. You march. You do what you're called to do. You do what God says to do. And here's what's wild, church. See, Joshua knew. God told him exactly, here's how it's going to lay out. But Joshua didn't tell his men that. He didn't tell his men. He didn't tell the army. He didn't say how many days. He didn't say how many laps. He just said, you be quiet and you march. And they had no clue. See, I don't know about you. I would need a time frame. I'm a time guy. How long is it going to take? Right? You know, then I got that timeline. Okay, only four more days. <laughs> only three more days, right? Day seven's rolling here. See, when, when you don't know, we struggle, don't we, church? 
We struggle big time when we don't know. When, when, when you don't know, it's a huge struggle. Your perspective can get lost, right? Your perspective can get lost and your progress isn't always obvious when you don't know. And so what happens, my third point is this, the process is open-ended. It's open-ended. I like to do a workout series I do at home. I go on and off. You know, I'm just like the rest of you. I'm hot and cold. It's called Insanity. It's appropriately named. And I really enjoy doing Insanity. Well, actually, I hate it. I absolutely hate it, but I like how it does help. It makes me feel better, right? And, but I'm one of those people that I, I, as I'm doing this work, I, I want to know how long it takes. And so the cool thing about insanity, you have this little timer, a ticker going there. You got one minute left. You got 30 seconds. I'm like, I can do it. I got 30 seconds in me. I can keep pushing myself, right? I, I can do it when I know minute by minute. But listen, when somebody else is holding the clock, when someone else is holding the clock, man, and I don't know how long I got to do this, it's a problem for me. It's a big problem. And so when I don't know how much longer of this foolish ignorance, craziness that I've got to endure, I struggle. Would you imagine if God put a clock on your dreams and your prayers? If he said, hey, here's exactly how it's going to go out, right? Just to let you know how much longer, you know, this is how much longer you're going to, to, to wait, you know, maybe, maybe you're like, man, God, I, I'm tired of looking for that special person. I'm tired of looking for that special person, you know. I, I'm tired of waiting on that special relationship. All my friends are in relationships. All my friends are getting married. And, and God is saying, you know what? If you could just stay pure for two more years, you're going to have what you want. If you could just stay pure for two more years, uh, that person's going to be here. And you'd be like, Psh, two years? I'll do three, Lord. If you tell me how long it is, I'll wait. It's easier, right? So we have walls. And when we can't see, church, what's on the other side? We're marching and we see no progress. Maybe the reason, listen to me, maybe the reason that God didn't let the walls fall down so quickly with the Israelites as they marched daily, maybe it's because God didn't want them to have faith in their progress Maybe what God wanted them to do is to have faith in God's promise. Not in your progress, because we can get caught up in our own progress. Instead of having faith in God's promises. See, God might let you walk around in a situation where you're going like, this isn't working. This isn't happening. It's not where I need to be. He might be wanting you to have trust in his promise and the fact that he's working, not in the fact that you're seeing some progress. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you still pray, even though you haven't got the answer in six days. We're like, Lord, I know you made me a promise. I'm going to keep praying. But, you know, will you still serve me when nobody appreciates you? Lord, I'm going to serve you because you made me a promise. Will you still show up even when it doesn't seem like it's making a difference? Will you still give even when you don't see provision coming back to you? Will you march just because God told you to? Even when you don't see the progress, not because you saw the benefit of it, not because you saw the progress in it. No, that's not what it is, but because you know that that is what God wants you to do, to trust him and his promises. So this morning, church, I ask you, can you trust God? Can you believe in him? 
even when you don't see him working? Can you believe in him even when you don't see him working? See, sometimes God has us walking around walls so that he can do something in us before he does something for us. God wants to do a work, and sometimes he's doing that work while you're walking around. You're like, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know why you haven't answered my prayer yet. This prayer, Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart, and your word says you'll give me the desires of my heart. So why am I still waiting? Church, listen to me. Some of you right now, you are in lap number six. And if you don't know the story of Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho, it all came to pass in lap number seven. And some of you, you are in lap number six and you don't even know it yet. I want to tell you, church, God is faithful. He is so faithful. How many people have given up? How many people have given up in their marriage? Because they couldn't see progress. How many people have given up on their kids? Because they didn't see progress. How many of you have given up on God's promises when you were in lap number six and you didn't even know it? Church, many of you are closer than you think and you're ready to give up right now. You're ready to give up. And if you walk every lap like it's your last, I want you to know one day you're going to be right. It's going to come to pass. So church, we are called to persevere. But what we need, we need to stop walking in our own strength. Some of you, you're trying to walk in your own strength. You're pretty weak. I want you to know that right now. You are, you're weak in the flesh and you can't walk in your own strength. But when you walk in your own strength, you get tired. We must walk in his strength, the Bible says. You walk in his strength. Man, I want to read two last verses to you before I wrap this up. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. How many of you are throwing away the confidence in what God is doing that he's working? You're like, man, I ain't seeing nothing yet. God answers everybody else's prayers but mine. God's doing some work in everybody else's life but mine. And so you throw away your confidence in him. And what you do is you rob yourself of your reward and your blessing. You're robbing yourself. You rob yourself. We're talking about our confidence in God and his promises. And then the last verse I want to share with you this morning comes from Philippians chapter 1. And I'd like to ask the praise team to come up here. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, church, when God starts something in you, he's going to finish it. He's going to see it through. God's promises, you better believe, are going to come to pass. God has made us all some promises. And so this morning, church, I ask you this. Are you walking in those circles? Are you doing what God has commanded you to do? Do you realize some of you right now, you are on lap number six. You are tired. You are weary. I mean, you're complaining probably just like Joshua's men were like, when am I going to see it? This isn't what I planned for. This isn't what I'm here for. When is this going to happen, God? You made me a promise, Lord. When is it going to come to pass? See, those people waited 40 plus years for a promise. And you realize you might be on your last lap. Church, we need to have perseverance. 
You as an individual, as a soul believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to persevere through it. I tell the staff all the time, you hear me say this a lot, we are not sprinters, we are marathon runners. That race is long and that race is hard, but you are called to stay on task and to run the race that has been laid before you, the Bible tells us. So we need to persevere. Church, do you realize that God has promises for all of us? He's got promises for his church, he does. He promises us if we do as he's called us to do, then that there's gonna be fruit. That there's gonna be fruit from that labor. If we obey him, if we listen to him, and if we do the work according to the ordinances that he has laid out, there will be fruit and we see it, church. We already see it, but guess what? There's a lot more out there. But also to you as an individual, God has made promises to you and he wants you to take him up on his promise. That promise, church, the number one promise God made you is that if you humble yourself and you lay down your sin, your shame, all the stuff that you've been carrying at the foot of Jesus Christ, if you ask for forgiveness of those sins, Bible says they'll take that sin and cast as far as the east is from the west. Never will it be crossed your path again. And he also promises us this, when we invite Christ in our hearts and follow the Christian baptism, he will transform you into a brand new creation. Who does not like brand new? He would transform you. But what you have to do is you have to take him up on his promises. For those of you who are living your life outside of Jesus Christ today, I want to tell you that promise is for you too. You might be sitting in church today. There's no coincidence since you're here today. God designed it that way. And he's saying, I've got a promise for you. But you've got to take him up on it and be obedient to what his word says. And for the rest of you believers who are here today, maybe some of you are in lap number six right now and you are tired. I mean, you are letting the wind and the waves take your attention off of Jesus Christ himself. You are letting the whispers of men, you are letting the deeds of men, all these things that the enemy keeps putting before you, throwing these walls up, these obstacles, these things to help you not see properly. And you can't see Jesus Christ right now. You've taken your eye off of him. I want to tell you, church, you can always come home. He's done it once and he'll do it again. He will write that ship. He will give you that focus, that determination to run the race that has been laid before you. And all you gotta do is say, Lord, I need your help. And he will do that. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I wanna encourage you to respond this morning.